In this episode, we talk about some technical challenges of building our products. I share about a technical challenge developing FusionCast's recording feature, some UI, UX design mistakes, and more. Alan shares about building his business in Japan and challenges reaching different types of audience. We also talk about the challenges of、uh, finding a good stopping point to end a coding session, creating content and owning it, and adding in product help features with video and more. So here's our conversation. So last time, the recording failed, obviously. Your video never uploaded. Right. The audio did, right? The audio did,、mm. but when I, when I reviewed the audio, there was a problem with the audio as well. Somewhere along the way, like halfway through, where, <laughs> where it kind of started all over, kind of thing. <laughs> so at the beginning, right, right, looped. And,、um, and, the, and then there were some weird things going on where the audio was not in sync with the video and all of that. Interesting. So, you basically cried a little bit. <laughs> like, oh my God, what bugs do I have to fix? <laughs> exactly. And that opened up a can of worms. But、uh, I was very grateful and glad that we did that test and you know, we, we tried recording because that started me on a path of trying to figure out what the heck happened. And、um, it was super challenging to figure it out because. It was a, in the end, it was a combination of a logical error、uh, that I had. And、um, basically, I made the wrong assumption or made an assumption that、um, things would happen in a certain order. <laughs> But of course, with the nature of JavaScript being asynchronous,、yeah. uh, that came to bite me. And that was the core. Issue with, you know, or the, the main reason why it failed.、Right. So, so the, there's when it records, right? FusionCast records a separate track for audio and a separate track for video. And so for audio, it was seemingly okay.、Um, and then video obviously failed. And so before I realized that there was a problem with audio, I kept thinking, well, you know, it's working. It's the same code that I have basically, but one is handling audio and one is handling video.、Right. How come it works <laughs> well for audio and it doesn't work for video? Right, of course.、Yeah. And then until finally I decided to inspect the whole audio because we recorded like an hour, yeah, a little over an hour. Over an hour, I think, yeah. So as I was working, I played your audio. Um, I'm sorry, you had to listen to me for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, this is what I did. I remember now. It's been, I've, so much has happened that I, you know, that's why I wrote a few notes here. So,、um, so what happened was, you know, I kept, I kept thinking, you know, how come it works for audio but not for video? And then finally I decided to inspect the whole thing. And as I was working, I decided to put the two tracks together, not just yours.、Yeah. Um, and so I aligned the two tracks. And I started playing it in the background as I was working just to see,、mm-hmm. you know, see if they actually the stayed、thing. in sync and it was all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and all that. And、mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I, I spot this problem with your audio where it goes like halfway through, it goes back to the beginning, like the <laughs> very first thing that you said in the very beginning. And,、uh, and, it, and it had been like almost 30 minutes、wow. into, the, into the recording. 
And so I was like, wow, okay, so it's not just, it, it's not okay for audio either. Mm -hmm. So there's there's something here. And so long story short, I was able to figure out after about a week or two, it took me a long time, lots of debugging, lots of console output, console log, and, and just banging my head till I figure out that I had made the wrong assumption that things would happen in a certain order. The core or the main issue was that things were happening asynchronously, obviously the nature of JavaScript, but also because of uh, the whole thing depends on the network connection and how how quickly it can upload every chunk of audio data and right. every chunk of video data. I also had the two processes working simultaneously at the same interval. And so that was part of the problem. So I changed the interval to, I forget what I did now, but one is like every three seconds and the other one is every seven seconds or something like that. So, right. so they're not both trying to contend for network activity exactly the same time. And and plus you've got the, the added fun of me being a hell of a long way from a data center. So the latency is not, not as predictable as it might be for you, right? <laughs> exactly. So there's latency to take into account. And so, uh, so, so then with all my console log output, I was able to actually see how it was every every chunk of data is being handled out of sync completely because you know it starts sending one one chunk and then the next one is ready and then it goes and then the next one is ready and it goes and then and then they finish at whenever time they finish you know it's not sequential at all sure. and so and so there were some chunks of data that were stepping on to the other one and and the, part of that problem too was that the way I was um, keeping track of the of the chunks of data, right? Because I'm I'm tracking them, and as soon as I upload them to the cloud and I get confirmation that it's been uploaded, I delete the previous one to conserve resources because I don't want to keep adding sure. to the user's memory and keep adding to the local drive. So I just keep track of everything as long as I need to. And then when um, when I know it's been uploaded, I reset it, you know? And, and so I basically, I'm only keeping track of the latest data that's being generated by the microphone and the camera um, only as long as I need to. And so I had a problem, a logical error in that area as well in my code where it wasn't doing it the right way. So it was a combination of things that took forever to figure out because it was the latency, um, the uh, nature of JavaScript being asynchronous. I know it. I'm, I work with it every day, you know, all the time. It catches you out often that, to be honest. I mean, I'm the same, right? You know, it's like, I, I know this, I know this. And then sometimes you blow like, and then you do this and it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, of course, of course, you know, it's things are not going to happen at the same time. Yeah. And then when you add the um, network latency, it, it it just, you know, you can't count on anything. It, everything has to be handled in a way that you take into account the fact that it it's going to be ev every chunk of data will be done whenever it will be done. Right. Uh, I had to refactor a lot of my code and did a lot of testing to add to the problem also the recovery mode works 
in conjunction with recording because the way it records has to keep in mind how it's going to recover and right. by, and the way it recovers is based on the way it recorded right <laughs> just just how i have my logic and yeah. the values that i save and everything has to they they work together sure especially if you, i mean if you're deleting stuff as you record it as it's uploaded then there's this yeah <laughs> yeah so so if if when i when recovery mode kicks in if i didn't save things in a way that's compatible with the recovery mode. <laughs> You're not going to recover anything. Right? It's not going to work. And so I wasn't sure the, the very first thing or the very first problem that I faced was figuring out, okay, what failed? Was it the recovery that is work is not working? There's a bug somewhere there, or is it recording that is not working? And then once I established that recording wasn't working, yeah. then I figured, okay, recovery never had a chance to work <laughs> right. properly if recording doesn't yeah. handle things. What's it going to re-recover, right? <laughs> exactly. So so after I fixed the recording part, I had to work on the recovery feature and, and I reworked it almost from the ground up to be compatible with my improved way of recording again especially if you've yeah if you changed a lot of the assumptions with regard to how it's recorded then yeah your recovery is going to be completely rethought right <laughs> exactly so i had to you know pretty much uh, rework it all and now um knock on wood i think i got everything <laughs> i guess we'll uh, find out <laughs> we'll find out today but um it's recording really well i did uh, long tests of recording for over an hour, okay. and then I and I synced up the tracks and I compared um, everything, and uh, everything looked fine. And recovery mode works really well now because reco recording is working well. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, as you said, it didn't didn't stand a chance before, right? <laughs> exactly. So the only thing that I still need to do is what you mentioned earlier, where if for whatever reason recovery cannot absolutely cannot work um i need to add a way to clear it up right. completely and just give up you yeah. know i mean um, so yeah as, as it stands right now it's trying to say well i'm, I'm trying to recover but the recovery is failing well yeah yeah and there's <laughs> no way out <laughs> and the other thing that i still need to do is make that recovery mode available outside of this interface the studio this is what i call the studio yeah. um right now that only works if you go into the studio. So you have to hit the same URL. Ah, right, of course. Yeah, yeah. In the browser that you used, and then recovery mode kicks mm. in when it detects that there's data I there. Mean, in theory, that should work whenever somebody goes back to Fusion Cast as a whole, right? It's like, hold on, there's stuff here hanging out, hanging left over from something else. Let's kind of get rid of that first. So. Exactly, and that's what I. That's the next iteration that I need to to improve upon. Um, but obviously, the first thing is the darn thing needs to work to begin with. <laughs> yep. I mean, I guess one of the one of the big things you've got to always consider is that the the other party in this, as in, like you know, in the in the case of this meeting, it's me. Um, it's the person who didn't initiate the meeting is likely not going to be familiar with the software. Is likely not going to. Uh, may not be technical. Even may just be like you know, uh, okay, I can open a browser and click on a link and do this. But like, yeah, you can't expect them to suddenly have to you know deal with stuff on on demand <laughs> like well actually can you go to this url because your browser didn't close properly and yeah so yeah exactly there's a lot to consider <laughs>
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the fun never ends. <laughs> it's it, it's funny. It's like every time you think you've uh, you've reached like you know, I, I don't want to say ready, but close enough that you think, oh, you know, it's ready for for somebody to do something. Then yeah, you suddenly peek under a corner and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like turning yeah. <laughs> over a corner of the rug and you're like, nah, <laughs> not yet. Yeah, not so, yet. I mean, it's it's a constant um, yeah battle both technically and uh, product design wise too. It's like, well, how much of this do they need? You know, needs to be finished. And you know, maybe if I just glue down that corner of the rug, it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. And so the other thing that um, I did a another round of ui sort of mm -hmm. test uh, with my wife okay again because <laughs> yeah you've got this new uh, uh like control bar at the bottom now right so <laughs> yeah yeah looks good yep <laughs> thanks and it's gonna change even more mm -hmm. still but um but i had another round of um having her help me out you know looking at the product and using it and um, we uncovered some other points of confusion in the not here in the studio but in the back end part of the app right that's actual management part yeah 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 the management part uh, where um, i have two types of sessions so each podcast can have multiple sessions recording sessions right. and then each uh, session um, the recordings get filed under you know under each session right so that's kind of how it's organized uh, the UI to manage the sessions, uh, I have two types, the scheduled sessions and the unscheduled sessions, okay. which I, I'm calling anytime sessions on the UI and, you know, for, for the users. But um, basically that's what they are, scheduled sessions and unscheduled sessions. Mm -hmm. And before I had them all combined into one list where you just had sessions and you could see them all. And there were indicators, you know, this one's, unscheduled is when scheduled and <laughs> right, right. you know that kind of stuff but then it got kind of uh, confusing because you you could schedule a session in that same um, list mm -hmm. there was a button to schedule but then but then you would have as the list grows then you would have scheduled and unscheduled all mixed together and right, so right. it kind of got very confusing and sure. um, some of the feedback that I got from my wife was to um, maybe split them, you know, split the two two lists so they're nice and clean. I mean, the the thinking behind this is like, say, for instance, you know, we have a, a weekly call where you know we record or something. But then, if you, you know, had a, a talk with somebody else and you wanted to keep it within the same show, but as a uh, like an additional thing that was more of an ad hoc uh, call, right? That that's the idea, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, that's the that idea. Mm -hmm. And also, um, if you need to share the link, maybe use it with some third-party software like Calendly or right. some other software where you want to put a mm -hmm. shareable link so that people can connect with you. So basically, um, the schedule sessions within FusionCast mm -hmm. are more for you as a host to schedule right, with right. somebody else. Okay. Yeah, because right now you've got the the show name and then the actual scheduled uh, session, right? Yeah. So yes. you want more of just like a, a show page that when anybody goes there, they can join a, a new unscheduled session and it's all good, but they're kept in like a, a separate bin, <laughs> right? Exactly. Kept in a separate bin. Exactly. Okay. So recordings get organized better. Nice. And, um, and, uh, 
it sort of reverses the the burden of scheduling, right? If you share the link with someone, maybe on Calendly or mm. some other tool, then they're scheduling for you, right? right, right. And so in that case, uh, FusionCast needs to support different kind of sessions, mm. so to speak. Yes. In the process of doing that, I uncovered a major flaw with <laughs> the way that I had it, the unscheduled sessions. I, I wanted the feature to be so seamless that if if you share the the link and someone went to it, if you didn't have a session already available, uh, unscheduled session already available, it would create it for you automatically. It would mm -hmm. it would just create it because it needs it needs to have that for the studio to work. Right. Yeah. And so I thought it was great because it was you know automatic and it'll you know if it doesn't exist it'll create it and 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 great. Until I realized that that really takes control away from the host. Sure. <laughs> right. Good point. Uh, because the other the, the other idea that goes along with this is that the set, the unscheduled sessions could be in one of two statuses. Uh, it could be available or or um, archived. Right. So if it's archived, you can no longer use it. You mm -hmm. can no longer record in it. But if it's available, it'll it'll do it. The link will work and everything. Um, but if let's say you don't have any unscheduled sessions or you have archived all of them, hmm. when someone visits that link, it'll create a session for you. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> They're screwing up your organization as the host, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's and you have no control yeah, over it. Yeah, Just yeah. by the virtue of someone somewhere on the other side of the world <laughs> visiting that link will yeah. create as a session in your account. Yeah. And then when you go in there, you could be like, what the heck? I archived <laughs> all of them or I didn't have any. Yep. Where did this come from? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so I was like, this is really bad. <laughs> this yeah. is really bad. It, it makes sense on a like a yeah, a high level level. You're like, oh it's great. It's you know, they can just go in and but then yeah, realistically. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So especially you know if you if you've got like yeah all these things scheduled and you're trying to keep it um cuz yeah it might be fine at first you know you've got like you know five six recordings but as time goes on that's going to grow uh, a lot right yeah <laughs> yeah yep. somebody goes in and messes that up for you okay. <laughs> yeah it was bad so i removed that feature entirely and so i had to rework that out as as well that feature no longer is no longer in place. So, you know, so now both kinds of sessions need to be created manually by the host. Gotcha. It improved the 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 software so so much. Uh, because of that automatic creation, uh, the way it used to work was that you could only have one unscheduled session available and the other ones, right. you know, because it would check, mm -hmm. is there one available? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, let's reuse that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, and, and if we would, if it checked and then it didn't find one, then it would create one. So for that reason, you could only have one in available status. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to create a new one, you you would have to archive it. Okay. And then it, it was it was really so, so this way you, you know, can you could I could effectively create different uh, sessions for different people, and that all be kept together, right? So even yeah. if there's multiple sessions and they're unscheduled, at least they're being kept in. I've given this person this URL and they're all there, right? That's, yes, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so it became so much easier and so much cleaner um, doing it that way. And I, I was like, I don't know what I was thinking when I, when I <laughs> designed it that way. I was like, uh, yeah. it, it, it made it, it made it, 
be so much more complicated and yeah. and muddy and you know <laughs> now yeah. it's it's so much cleaner it, there's there's parts of uh of dot plan as well i've kind of because you're so focused on certain things at a particular point in time uh and you know i've been so focused on uh like the effectively that the check-in system and scheduling those and you know sending out reminders and being able to comment react and all the rest and then there was the the organization and team management part and i kind of um i i think i mentioned last time i i started to flesh that out a little bit just because um, from feedback from people uh, speaking to people like, no, we, we need that team management, even if with smaller teams, we need that. So um, I, I kind of went back to it and I'm like, I honestly don't know what I was thinking here. Like I looking at the cut, I'm, I can't even remember what my, <laughs> what I was trying to achieve with the system I had in place before. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, no, let's just rewrite that. <laughs> so, it, it, that actually, I mean, it's slightly uh, less, topic of what we're actually be doing but there's something I, I i saw it came up on the uh, like topic that a few people posted about this week and i was also speaking to somebody else about it, it was this idea of like keeping a um an architecture decision records which i know github do amongst other you know bigger companies and also like an architecture document for your application and mm -hmm. it's something that has bitten me so many times when working with smaller teams this whole thing it's like well we've we've done this why the hell have we done this? Because, yeah. I mean, we're so you're so focused on such smaller chunks at a time that everything, mm -hmm. you know, it's like this is why we've got you know, millions of notebooks hanging around, right? As you think, well, if I write it down, I'll remember it. But <laughs> keeping it in just like this record of, you know, we keep records of, you know, like your, your uh, PRs as to what we've what we've changed. But the one of the projects that I was on, there was a, this enormous readme file that no one ever dared touch because it was kind of written back a long time ago and even though this isn't the product anymore it's too big an undertaking to trying to go in and update it um Redo and it. also yeah and also it's like well where do you even start it, it's such a big thing that um and even if it is then where's the record of why those things were changed so um it's something that i will you know trying to figure out what a version of that is for a personal project and also um, for another project that I'm working on. It's like, well, there's, there's a few of us working on it, just keeping mm -hmm. that, those discussions, you know, not in Slack, um, which is, you know, great for discussing those things and making those decisions, but then, well, let's record it somewhere and record it as to it's make sure it's searchable and understandable when we look at it in six months time. And we're like, what, why did we do this? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even on personal projects, there's, there's value to that, right? Yeah, yeah. The challenge, though, is that I think part of the problem is that we're working on these projects as side projects. Yes. And mm -hmm. and we want to strike, strike a balance between what we really need to work <laughs> on and other things that yeah. may not, you know, may, may, be may take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And you don't know if it's really worth you know, spending that time totally, doing yeah. doing those things totally. because you want to get this thing out the door and get feedback from people. And Absolutely. so, yeah, yeah. I if mean, you're if if you're writing these <laughs> all these documents and stuff, no. and all everything's gonna change anyway. So yeah. you know, it's like it's kind of tricky. I mean, yeah, it's this constant like balancing act of like you know we're trying to, as you say, on one side you've you're 
against not against the clock, but you also you want to get this out there as soon as you possibly can, right? Um, and then there's all these other things pulling you, like you need to you know, keep track of this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, for sure, I think for for personal projects, um, even just you know, like probably your Git uh, checking history is as bad as mine for this side project type idea, which is like yeah done stuff working on this with WIP <laughs> and you're like yeah I probably should at least at least put a <laughs> sentence in there as to why I did this um yeah and it's you know it, again I'd never think of doing that on a, a client's project I'd never even like oh my god I, I would never do this so why can't I at least take 30 seconds to re at least write a full sentence right yeah. uh so yeah, yeah there's, there's probably a um something to be learned but uh yeah maybe not not quite the full thing right yeah and i think part of it is that we know we're at least for now we're going to be the only ones looking right. at this and we know what we're doing I mean, yeah i know no, no, no one else yeah, exactly. is going to read yeah, it yeah. so <laughs> unfortunately i'm also know how bad my memory is so like <laughs> yeah it's yeah it, as i said there's, there's there's a balance somewhere i'm not sure where it is yet but uh I, i'm going to try and improve at least my uh at least my checking uh <laughs> my git commits because uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I do. I do the same. I do yeah. the same. I, I try to put at least a little sentence there, but sometimes it's like, especially if you're if you're out of time and you have to go somewhere or do something mm -hmm. else, and and it's like, okay, you know, sometimes uh, I have a pretty bad habit that I've been trying to work on. Um, Only one. Of, <laughs> well, <laughs> one of many. One of many. Um, I have a hard time finding a point where I can stop. And so sometimes my wife expects me that I'm going to stop working at a certain time mm -hmm. and then time comes and I'm not done because I'm trying to find this spot yeah. where I can stop and, and kind of like have this mental model, right, mm -hmm. of where, where I stop so that I can continue later without wasting too much time um, coming back to where I was. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so, and sometimes it takes me forever to find that you know that point yeah i mean I, I often find this it's like if i have that i'm getting to recognize uh points now that are somewhat natural break, break points so even though i know i've got another half an hour and i could probably start on something i'm like this is i'm not going to get to a meaningful break point within that time so it'll be like mm -hmm. well I, we need to you know i'm expected for lunch in you know 20 minutes it's like just mm -hmm. stop now and i'll go and you know do some reading or something that isn't uh you know working on this because it's like it's not going to work <laughs> and that's and that's what i need to do i need mm -hmm. to i need to get better at, at recognizing those recognizing that and do something like that you know go do something else that will take less mm -hmm. time that i'll be able to stop any moment and not start something or continue right. Sometimes it's hard to find or or to recognize, at least for me, to recognize that moment where I can stop now, even if I have more time. Yes, yeah. Because well, I, mean, I, I always want to, I always want to squeeze all the time that I can. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same. I have the same problem with going to bed. Right? It's like, okay, if I go to bed now, it's too early. I could get some more work done. But if I start this, I'm never going to go to bed, and I'm going to feel like crap tomorrow. So it's like, it's yeah, yeah it's a, it's not easy, and uh, I don't yeah. know. If I, yeah, I'll ever get that. <laughs> yep, yep. It's so the fun um, of of juggling multiple projects uh, and multiple lives at once, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, 
So I think that's all I have on my end of things. That's my update. That's all I've been working on. And um, I'm hoping to be able to, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to be able to start contacting people that uh, I have on my list, uh, people that are interested in trying FusionCast. And uh, I'm a a little behind schedule on that because I've been working on on these issues. But um, I'm hoping to get there this week, you know, tomorrow, sometime this week, okay. where I can yeah. wrap it all up and uh, start scheduling exciting uh, onboarding <laughs> sessions with, with oh, people. Wicked. And I'd like to have an onboarding session with you too. So, hey, yeah, so absolutely. I can, you know, um, get you on board and so you can try it out. Um, cool. So, hopefully, sometime this week, I'll, I'll wrap things up. So, are you, um, um, Obviously, the, these initial uh, onboarding sessions, you, you know, you're going to do one-to-one handholding, um, kind of walk people through it. Um, <clears throat> yep. Are you um, are you thinking of making the same thing, but like video-wise as well? So, um, you know, it, it can become part of like a, uh, you know, people can onboard themselves a little bit more in the future. So. Yes, yes. So, um, so for now, it's just because it's private beta. Um and also things might change a little bit before then, right? <laughs> and things will change, yeah, you know, based on feedback uh, for sure. But once I, once the product is a little more stable and, you know, uh, it's not going to change so much, then I'll, I'll record some screencasts and um, I have a knowledge base that, that I'm going to be populating with, with uh, articles, you know, kind of like documentation, yep. frequently asked <laughs> questions, Same. getting started, you know, yeah that kind of thing yeah. and i'm going to embed some uh screencasts mm-hmm. on on there right i mean the, the reason i mentioned that is so there's uh there's a product um uh somebody i know is, is building um and it's a it's called bento now and it's a ah. marketing um email marketing uh chat um live chat basically anything to do with automated marketing um and so mm-hmm. he recorded these screencasts like uh, part of the onboarding process of screencasting uh, explaining you know what this is how to set this up and it's kind of like a mini course of videos the short like five minute videos of like this is how you create this thing this is how you uh, add this to your site and so i'll just like mini snippets of like what a part of the product does is that is that embedded in the product in the ui so he's actually got it right now as a as link directly on his landing page um right below the the banner uh, the header um and as a someone who will use it but isn't using it yet, just being able to be like, hold on, I, it, it's easier for me to just watch a few, few second, a few minute clips just to get an idea of how I can use it, rather than is to try mm-hmm. and interpret documentation of someone's idea of. I, I mean, I, yeah. I do the same thing if I'm uh, either investigating a product to potentially to. Uh, to subscribe to or even from a competitor's point uh point of view it's like well someone's doing this how are they doing it the, the first thing i do is go to youtube and look for because the, even the most you know enterprisey software somebody's you know that you can't see there's no visual of their product on the website apart from you know like content does for a demo you know you go to mm-hmm. youtube and there'll be somebody walking through stuff it might be you know a previous version or something um but just mm-hmm. getting that understanding of actual real use as opposed to just pure marketing is um it, it really helps understand the product for for me anyway so um i thought it was a just a interesting way to have it even directly on the landing page it was like oh yeah i that that works for me <laughs> personally so, you know it generally it might work for other people too <laughs> yes i i've thought about 
adding it once I update my marketing site. Um, I thought about adding a demo video so that it shows you know mm. quickly how it works. Right. Yeah. So I, I will be doing that. Mm -hmm. And and I was thinking, like I mentioned, to add some clips to the knowledge base. You know, so people can actually see. Uh, so less text, more video. Um, but what you just said is giving me an idea that maybe these clips could be embedded in the product itself. Right. Uh, mm. Some somewhere in the UI where you can just click a little little icon and then it pops a video that shows you real quick how to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things um, again, the the advantages we've got being um, you know indie and you know solo uh, developers. Um, and something what I'm really trying to do with building this as well is it's me building it. It's not a you know a team. And adding that personality of like this is how you do it, and actually it being from you as well kind of adds that little bit more of uh, authenticity and um, something. I know it affects my again my decisions as to you know which products I choose. You know who are the people behind this. So again, I, I can only do things which I think are right as opposed to you know which uh, what that everybody else thinks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Definitely, I, that, that'd be nice. Yeah, I, I, I've been toying with similar idea too for myself. Yeah, it's like rather than just linking to a help page, it's like, well, you know, pop up a little video of just, you know, this is what you do. You can, you know, yeah. it's it's a ten second, twenty second thing of how to do a thing. It would be kind of cool, right? Because yeah, um, yeah, and it it keeps the person in the product right. um, and um, less. Reading, I mean, a picture is is worth a thousand words, right? And a, a video is a lot more. So, I mean, the, the, I'm kind of, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the, um, you know, the little the onboarding thing that pops up like a thing and it takes you around the whole UI. This is for this. This is. For oh yeah, I'm, I'm not into those <laughs> yeah. at all. I, I I don't don't like those. I don't like those either. I'm trying to avoid that, but at the same time, offer help for people if when they try to do something they haven't done before i mean i'd rather click around a, a product and you know try to understand it myself uh, but i can imagine mm -hmm. a lot of people it's like the help would be useful so yeah what what's something that i um that i approve of and like that isn't uh that is actually useful for them so yeah that could be a nice uh, nice solution yeah yeah <laughs> Onboarding is constantly like gnawing away at the back of my mind, and it's. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you you've got a very short period of time to, ex to to explain to somebody yeah where your brain is when you built this right, <laughs> and it's like this is what you should be doing. Please do this, and they're like, ah, eh, no good, close. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's constant. Yeah, it's a tricky it's part. Mm -hmm. Onboarding is really important. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, I've had a, an interesting few weeks. <laughs> um, so the, yeah, the product is uh, again hurdling towards some kind of launch. Um, I'm, so as you know, my big um, one of the things which makes my launch kind of entertaining is uh, launching in Japanese and English at the same time. So um, I've decided to slightly alter that a little bit. So I'm still planning on going ahead with the the two launches as close to possible po close together as possible but okay i'm not going to let the japanese version not being ready stop me from launching the english one uh, is the kind of decision i've made i was planning to be like okay you can now switch between japanese and english and um but just from a pure 
pragmatic getting the thing out point of view and also the uh, all of the the research and the feedback that I'm getting the Japanese version is going to be slightly different from a marketing point of view from a uh, even just explaining you know what the product is there's a there's a different take on it um and I think I'm I don't want that to become a roadblock a blocker for getting the English version out so uh that's kind of a um uh, a, a decision that's made like things a little bit more um, achievable uh, in a shorter term in my head, just because it it is hard work building into languages at the same time. It's it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even just things like dates. You know, it's um, dis- how dis- dates are displayed or how dates are expected to work um, are just subtly different. And it's like this is just you know, what am I doing? <laughs> so I know I can iterate so much faster in English that um, it's, you know, we're still, the Japanese version is still coming along as well. All of the, uh, as soon as something is working well, uh, we're uh, translating, you know, we're kind of considering all of the, the the things we're building, they're considering also from a Japanese point of view. But um, yeah, I'm not going to stop that not being ready from me launching anyway. So um, I think that's, probably sensible <laughs> yes i think that's uh, the right decision i think so <laughs> i think that's the right decision for sure i i mean you're you're in japan but just because you're there i think it's good to think about the other side of things as well it, i mean there's a big market mm-hmm. outside of japan that i'm sure that you can target right right, right? exactly so, and i think i mean it's it goes both ways right there, there's a obviously japan is, is the second third largest is probably third now largest economy in the world uh, but it is mm-hmm. a different working style and will different working environment and i think there is mm-hmm. a um there's definitely a an interest in this in what i'm trying to build with Plan right now uh, here um and it's, it's still an underserved market i mean you know can there just isn't that much choice there's still only a you know relatively few people building new software uh, compared mm-hmm. to elsewhere in the world um, so I think it is a really interesting and very exciting opportunity for us to to launch here. Um, but also, I don't want that to become, you know, our uh, stop us from doing things elsewhere as well. So um, yeah, yeah, the yeah that that's <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> especially since in your position, it's probably easier. You know, the Japanese market and the culture and everything that influences how you build a product mm-hmm. is uh, probably a, a bigger learning curve for you than the, you know, the English market. Right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, so it's, I think it's a good decision to go and, and target that, you know, the low hanging fruit first, right. yeah, yeah. The, what's easier for you. And then, and then, you know, once you get going there, then you can branch out and expand into mm-hmm. the, the Japanese market. That I mean, way you, you get there faster. Right. I, I, I think, I think long-term potentially the Japanese side of it could be m- probably more interesting um okay but um just because you know the i think the industry here especially with regards to um how work styles are changing it's you know a lot of these the things that i the application is doing are already practices in other parts of the world um and it's kind of like i i don't have to convince people uh, that to do these things, they're, they're probably likely doing a variant of this, or it'll easily fit into that the way they're working. Whereas here, mm-hmm. it's like, you want us to do what? <laughs> so, but at the same time, 
this the changes are happening incredibly rapidly here um in terms of you know like remote work was literally just didn't exist um <laughs> um mm. uh, until you know the coronavirus situation um and then right. suddenly it's like well, hold on well we've got these massive offices in tokyo that are costing us you know literal arm and legs then it's like well hold on we don't probably don't need this so once they've tasted a little bit of remote working and seen that it can work in uh in some way this i think is going to snowball a little bit and to be part of that it could have uh, could be a really good thing so um yeah I, I don't want to to miss the opportunity but at the same time uh yeah it's, it's a hell of a lot easier to launch in english <laughs> yeah uh... I think in the long run, it's gonna it's gonna speed up your time frame to reach the Japanese market, though. Yes, so I think because so you're if you're focusing on on sort of easier path mm -hmm. um, that will help you learn more of learn more about your own product and how you're building it, and right. you know, and and all that stuff. And so once you shape that better for the market that you understand yes. better <laughs> I, I think it's kind of counterintuitive yes <laughs> by improving the product in english it's going to make the the japanese product better <laughs> yes exactly no, i agree yes yes yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah i mean the so the, the other biggest news is um so i think last time we spoke uh we'd applied for some bank loans um, yes and so the the reason being yeah I, I, the the background briefly is that you know when we set up the bank account the uh, the, the startup advisor at the bank that was uh, going through the process with us was like so how much loan are you going to apply for and we're like loan <laughs> um, and they're like well you're a startup the city you know um, helps startups um, and the government also wants people to start companies so there are probably loans available so how much do you think you're probably going to apply for and so okay um let's try because you know we uh, I, i'm still um you know i'm bootstrapping with you know doing other work and you know having a little bit of a um a buffer zone as uh, for the company to be able to spend on for instance marketing or design work um means that it's not um not killing me trying to pay for two things at once right so um with the business plan we approached you know we took to the bank and also the government bank um and we got approved for both um, <laughs> so we actually have a little bit of uh funding in, in one way um i mean the interesting yeah. part about the loan from the bank as well is that the interest rate is 1.3 percent and it's over 10 years so it's kind of um it's not a huge burden um i mean it long um time wise it is <laughs> um i mean you yeah. can pay off at any point in time but it's not a huge amount of money um but just having that little bit of a buffer has meant oh okay those things which i was it's like can i spend this much to you know get a designer to do this thing and it's like well actually yeah i can now because it's an investment in the product so um yeah it, it was interesting cool. as well just the fact that the um to get kind of affirmation from the bank that it was actually an investable business or risk worth risk taking the risk on because you know it wasn't a um uh you know it wasn't just like well you're making a company so here's the money it's like well 
what are you building? Why are you building it? What's your financial projections? What's your uh, path to market? What's your marketing strategy? And so we, you know, we had to write a big business plan, which again, I think I've said before, you know, I really think it's, it's helped me a lot understand what I'm trying to build. Um, and it was interesting, the, the points they raised with it, there was a general like, okay, we think this is a reasonable, it's reasonably good idea was the feedback. Um, they had ideas about the type of market that would probably be interested in using it in Japan, which is slightly different from um, what I expected in the rest of the world. Mm. So it, mm. it also gave me an idea of what changed. That This also kind of pushed me a little bit towards this idea of, okay, maybe the Japanese one doesn't have to be launched at the same time because... Um, the bigger the, the more likely opportunities here are with bigger companies, either through partnerships or through um, a, some kind of a, a partnership type system seems to be very strong here. Um, so it's like, well, hold on, mate. If I'm not going for the you know the the smaller s I don't want to say SME, but more SE, <laughs> um, then maybe don't have to rush it as much let's kind of get the product right and then when we approach them with it it's a much more well-rounded much more uh, mature product as well so yes that, that kind of influenced that as well so yeah it's, it's kind of weird to now actually have um a small budget in the bank to to be actually i mean <laughs> it's, nice. it, although it's also weird because i'm so used to being so incredibly frugal with this that i'm like hundred dollars for what I don't think so. <laughs> it's uh it's difficult to to almost mentally commit to spending some of that money because it's like um yeah you know yourself it, it, it everything is a um is a personal decision at this point right you know it's it's like am i spending this money on this as opposed to you know it's, it's the company spending it so it's um right it is slightly difficult thing to get used to but it is also very different than if if it was a um a vc or an angel type investment as well i think that there's still a um part of you that knows it's your money uh or rather <laughs> somebody else's money that you're spending rather than the, the company has investors who expect certain things so it's um it's still different but it, it's also taking in a little bit of um getting to understand what that means um so mm -hmm. it's, it's been an interesting development anyway um and the other interesting logistical thing so yeah product wise you know te uh, technical wise i'm just kind of uh burning through my ever increasing list of things to get it launchable right uh, and trying not yeah. to trying to chop that down as much as possible um but i also spoke to a lawyer um regarding so again, I'm. Uh, it's a Japanese KK uh, Kabushigaisha uh, Zenocode is the company. So it's a Japanese share company, effectively. Um, okay. I don't know what the equivalent is in the US, but you know, it's um, the company has shares. Um, you know, it, mm -hmm. we, people can buy the shares privately, um, but also that has so like a like a public it, corporation. Um, it's but, not but, traded. It's, yeah, it's, okay. So it's still a private company, but it means that, uh, you know, I can effectively take investment if I wanted to sell shares to them. Uh, there's, there's like a number of different types uh, of companies. Here. So I think it's I more see. like an, an, inc an incorporated company in, in the US. Um, hmm. Here it's possible to okay. have a company that you can't do that. So it, there's a differentiation. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, but obviously the not having a very strong background in terms of 
Japanese uh, law and legal responsibilities of a company here, I was like, okay, so am I doing anything here releasing this um, that I really need to consider from a, a data point of view, from a, uh, you know, border, uh, data crossing borders point of view? Because again, it's likely that it's going to be hosted outside of Japan just because <laughs> the hosting uh, situation here is less mature than it is on let's say just AWS. Well, I mean AWS is a Tokyo region, so that's always a possibility. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, what what do I need to consider? Is that something if I'm not targeting the Japanese market first, but I'm a Japanese company selling to British or American customers? Then mm -hmm. yeah, what happens here? Where is there anything I need to really consider? Um, so yeah. the the city again has this. Um, startup advisory service and uh, there's this there's a lot that the city is trying to do uh, to uh, get people starting companies to uh, you know creating startups and so one of the, the the departments is the employment consultancy service or something i forget there's an acronym and um, okay. they, they deal with like uh, employment disputes or hiring people or being hired uh, yourself so they did anything regarding um human resources uh, hiring firing that kind of thing mm -hmm. um but they also um I, I approached them and said you know like what can you give me advice from a legal perspective with regards to like privacy terms and conditions um data and all the rest and so sure so i actually had a chat with a, an american lawyer who's based here in japan for <laughs> i think he he moved here longer ago than I've been alive. So it's like 40 something <laughs> years. And it's like, yeah, okay. I guess you know what's going on. <laughs> um, but he's, it's interesting because he, you know, obviously has um, a good understanding of the, the Japanese law, but also from an, an international perspective as well. So um, I like had a long list of like, okay, I need to ask these 20 questions in the space of like 30 minutes because it's free. <laughs> um, so, but it was, it was really helpful. I mean, he, um, both from a uh, like you know what's the privacy situation what's it in terms of like terms and conditions legal responsibilities so that was um it, that that was really helpful just i mean the the, the longest short of it is like be scared of europe not of america <laughs> uh, you know the eu's data protection laws are so strong um that yeah. if you can conform to that then you pretty much should be all right anywhere elsewhere in the world um it, just because it's so much stronger than anywhere else i mean i kind of knew that but you know just being told even with regards to japan he said you know you're it, it, they're, they're so much further behind in in the the data privacy laws that yeah if you can hit european standard then don't worry i'm like okay <laughs> uh, there there is things to consider with regards to um data leaving the country um which always is mm -hmm. always difficult to understand the implications of it but uh again the long and short of it he seemed to suggest was as long as you are upfront with the the privacy of the data what what is stored where why is who what you're storing and why you're storing it um then you're fine as long as as long as it's um, correct and in black and white, then you, you're okay because they're agreeing mm -hmm. to this. So uh, he said the 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 thing to consider though is uh, whereas in say Europe you're pro you're quite likely to get individuals um, 
uh, coming to you for, <laughs> I don't say coming to, uh, raising issues of privacy um, or of some flaw in your you know, data privacy, then here it's more likely to be a government department following a checklist to, hold on, um, are they doing these things? And he said that department may well not have a computer in their department, but they still got to follow the, the checklist to make sure that you're doing all these things. So he said, you, uh, there's, there's a strong possibility that someone will want to check this from the government, but um, again, as long as it's detailed and it's uh, you have records of everything, then uh, you're you're fine. Um, so mm. it's kind of reassuring. Um, so again, nice that the city offers this service, and also I get apparently another like two hour consultation that I can schedule with him that the effectively the city pays for. So that's kind of um, it's kind of quite cool <laughs> very yeah, useful yeah um, that's awesome yeah so it, it makes me feel that like uh, i've not uh, overlooked something um especially you know regarding data privacy is uh mm -hmm. you don't want to get that wrong right <laughs> right so right yes so the, one of the interesting things he uh, suggested as well was you know i'm like well there's lots of templates for privacy policies and terms and conditions online um you know, how am I okay going with one of those? And it's like, as long as you agree with everything in it, otherwise, you know, change it. And I can effectively uh, sign off on it and say, okay, that that is legally correct, if you like. So it's been interesting kind of looking to, I've actually been reading terms and conditions and reading privacy policies on sites. <laughs> like, okay, which first time for everything, right? Um, yeah. And it's kind of fascinating from a, um, what do I actually want to yeah, w w what do I actually want to do here? So you know, like when you you find a site which I thought was reasonably like very straight, and oh, they're not doing anything, and you 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 read their privacy, and it's like, well, we're going to sell your data to these people, and this, and I'm like, hold on, we 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 reserve the right to basically do whatever hell we want. And I'm like, well, I don't want that. Like, I I actually I want to be quite. Um, one of the things I really want to promote is like, this is your data. You can, you know, this isn't mine. I, I'm providing a service for you to, to do certain things with your data. It's not my data though. Right. Um, yeah. so it was interesting going through and actually, I disagree with this. That what, who is doing this that I actually agree with. And so I can use that as like the template for what I want to do. Yeah. So, so you're, yeah, you're learning more of what not to do, right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it, that was, kind of i mean you know it's there and you know people are continuously doing stuff with your data that you probably don't want them to but it was interesting going through it and actually consciously deciding making those decisions um about what do i actually want to be my company's policy um again mm -hmm. at this stage you know it's it's me but who knows you know they're, they're could well be employees there could well be other people that might be able to access this data so what's the company policy with regarding this and uh yeah it's been it's been an interesting process um and of course i've got the added fun yeah. of doing this in japanese and english as well so um mm -hmm. finding sites that have both english and japanese policies so i can kind of understand the how they correspond and then being okay so what what is that in Japanese? So mm -hmm. everything's so, because even if I'm on, even if I'm only launching in English, I'm still a Japanese company, so I have to adhere to Japanese law, right? So it's um, right. I still have to have this in Japanese. So uh, yeah, added fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Fun never ends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't taken the easiest path here. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> doing, Did you like doing things on hard mode, right? <laughs> Did you consider at all um, in the past forming a company in the U.S., for example, or uh, yes? Um, I mean, so that was my my original idea was mm -hmm. I use Stripe Atlas and form a mm -hmm. US company. Um, after talking to a few people that have done it, um, I think it works well for a lot a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, especially if you want investment, then it, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer because, uh, you know, the, the investment opportunities in the US are then not even vaguely comparable to here. Um, mm -hmm. So... Uh, that would make sense. However, be, not being an American citizen, um, I am currently not on the American tax books, right? Mm -hmm, um, right. By then owning a uh, an American corporation, I then have a, a responsibilities declaring. I I personally have to become part of the American tax system, which, right. as you know, is is quite overwhelmingly um, thorough. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, a few people were like, "Just why, why would you do that? Why, why would you become part of that system?" Um, right. So yeah, I think if unless there's a very strong reason to do it, um, I think personally it was like eh, probably not uh, not a the right thing for me to do. There's also um, so I also considered the Estonia has this uh, digital. Um, uh, digital resident, uh, e-resident mm -hmm. system. And mm -hmm. uh, you can form a company in Estonia. Um, and it's actually, it's incredibly interesting. Um, I think it would work really well for, again, a lot of cases. Um, and in my mm -hmm. case, it probably would work very well too. So one of the, um, th there's very interesting tax situation there as well. Um, but the tax and um, money situation kind of became the reason why I, decided to do, to not do that um mm -hmm, one of them mm -hmm. so because i'm based here and because fukuoka city is uh, trying to promote startups trying to help um if i go in and say well actually i started a company in another country i'm just here and i'm doing all my taxes and spending money <laughs> elsewhere they're like why should we help yeah. you right? <laughs> that wouldn't have all that great <laughs> no it doesn't really go down so i mean if i had moved here and the company was already existing, it'd probably be a different yeah. situation because then there'd be the yeah. incentive of like, well, maybe you could have an additional office here and, you know, th there's a different situation. But just say, no, I just started elsewhere because I don't want to deal with, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Like... That, that... Yeah, that wouldn't look very good. I mean, the, yeah, exactly. And there's also the fact that, you know, I, I live here, I pay tax here, I um, my I have friends here, my, my kind of, my life is here, right? So, um, yeah. You know, I don't have an, an aversion to paying for the services that um, I that, that make my life livable. So, you know, paying tax and being part of the local net network and being part of the local system is personally, I feel the right thing to do as well. So sure, that was, sure. uh, and you know, our intention is to to be here for however long. You know, maybe indefinite. We don't know yet. Um, but mm -hmm. there's a chance we'll want to. You know buy a house here, we want to move apartment. Um, and having no job here makes life very difficult. Whereas being a company owner um, and having an accountant and paying your tax here is like, well, you're a 
real person. You exist. You can, of course, you yeah. can move to this apartment. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you want to buy a car. Sure, you exist. Um, as opposed to like, well, actually, I don't have, I try to avoid. <laughs> so yeah. just that commitment of actually being um, uh, authentic here as well was was a big mm -hmm. part of that. So. Yeah. It has made things more difficult. Uh, yes, I. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, but it makes a lot of sense uh, that you know. Yeah. Um, it, it 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 you know everyone has different circumstances, yeah. and this is a better fit for you. Yeah. And um, I mean, it, it probably know. is costing me a whole lot more. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, and it mm -hmm. also you know again makes life difficult in terms of just accounts, in terms of bank accounts, uh, legally, and all the rest. But um it you know it, if i was more of a digital nomad then hell no way if i yeah. didn't have uh ties to japan this would not be a great place to come and start a startup um mm -hmm. unless you had very strong reasons for doing it um mm -hmm. having said that you know the help from the city has been really helpful but compared to the ease of doing business for me in the UK, it's like, oh God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, they're worlds apart. Um, so it's it has definitely, um, yeah, meant taking on, you know, taking on the game at hard mode, but uh, it's a learning opportunity. <laughs> hey, it, it's it's a journey. And, it's a journey, uh, just, it is and, indeed. <laughs> and enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually speaking of journeys, um, I, I, I started to write uh, an intro post for indie hackers as well because i'm like you know i need to really start talking to people about this um you know so yes. part of this whole process is like okay i need to i i've been my entire product you know development life um i've been very bad about talking to people about what i'm doing and so i'm like okay you know gotta that that is that is excellent I, i've been thinking about that Actually, it's good that you brought it up because I've been thinking about that. Um, I st started working on FusionCast a little over a year now mm -hmm. ago in November of um, 2019. Before the world went crazy. <laughs> is when I started. And um, I began right at the beginning. I was posting sort of um, like a weekly update, mm -hmm. you know, publicly for accountability purposes. Mm -hmm. But... I only did it a few times, and then once the pandemic hit, everything went upside down, and my whole you know yeah. <laughs> routine changed, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I I should have kept doing it, but I I didn't. So I need to get back to that. And um, actually, my personal site is down because I haven't. I took it down. I, I don't even you know what's on my personal site anymore. I should probably look sometime. <laughs> <laughs> and so I want to get back to that. You know, yeah. I want to. Uh, so one of the things that, that's on my list is to bring my site back up and um, and start posting there. I don't. I'm not a big fan of social media, so um, I'm still on Twitter, but I'm not in any other social media at all. Mm -hmm. I closed all my accounts. Huh. I kind of like that sense of the old school web when you had your own your For own sure. blogs mm -hmm. and you posted and you own your own content right. and mm -hmm. it's it's not somebody else's yeah. you know content right. and so and so i want to get back to that same here. so actually that, that that's raised an interest in uh something i was going to say as well is i i'm the same i'm like I'm, i've been notoriously you know my blog has been I, i've had a blog since you know 90 something right and it's been up and yeah. down and stuff's got lost and as we start again oh try to start to import the old stuff and i'm like what the hell am i doing this is like 20 years out of date <laughs> so, so it's like um so i was like okay you know i'm gonna do it 
again, I want to own my own content, but I was uh, came across, uh, you know, Hashnode. Um, so it's like it's similar to Dev Two, uh, which I, I think is an awesome site for you know people writing uh, basically dev blogs. Uh, Hashnode um, is similar, but they have a um, uh, basically a GitHub um, sync. So uh, anything you post effectively gets synchronized to a repo, um, which of course you can publish yourself. And you know the the T's and C's, which I've read, um, <laughs> are basically you own your own content. It, we just allow an, an additional outlet for it. So um, effectively, similar you... to Dev Two, right? I, I think yeah, they, Dev Two has that too. So they have that too. Hey, you, okay. you, right. I mean, um, not through GitHub, I don't think. Okay. Well, I haven't checked recently, but last time I checked, you could post on Dev2 from via your RSS feed on your blog. So if you update your blog, then it goes, yeah. So similar. I like the um, the people and the model behind Dev2 more than Hashnode. Hashnode is VC funded and all the rest. So I, I might relook at that because obviously I think I'd prefer to support Dev2 from a, uh, a personal point of view. Um, but the 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 nice positioning of I, I guess this is kind of where the the brand positioning and the the whole story is different uh, is Hashnode is like you can build your your own personal blog build a development blog and then by doing that you know effectively opens up more distribution channels because you can post it will get posted into different topics and uh, parts mm -hmm. of the site mm -hmm. whereas Dev2 is mm -hmm. like at least on the surface is more of like here's a community. And then, oh, actually, you probably could post it to a blog. So their their positioning kind of got me there. So um, I should relook at that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, one of the reasons that I thought about this was I had a um, so I'm using Phoenix Live View, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, Phoenix Elixir Live View Alpine Tailwind is my kind of uh, stack for nice. this, um, which is interesting because I haven't launched a public product in it before. So this is my first um, actual released product in it as opposed to tinkering around i'm normally in rails mm -hmm. um and it's it one of the things which is you don't really appreciate at first with phoenix is that the community is really small um i mean that there's there's good and bad to that right um it's yeah. a really nice community but it's also a lot of the times you know, you you hit a, an issue or something that you don't know how to do, and you're like, I can't find anybody talking about this at all. There's no, um, and so you know, it literally goes back to, okay, do what I should have done in the first place is read the documentation, uh, and then actually understand what it's doing, as opposed to like, well, what's the shortcut to me getting this done, <laughs> which is just yeah. often not available. I mean, you know, it's yeah, I probably should have done this in the first place, but um, it, again, it's kind of pragmatism. It's like, okay, let me look at somebody else that's done this and I can learn from it. And you're like, no, nobody's done this. No, they probably have, but it's, it, it isn't obvious. Um, yeah. And so uh, it was, you know, spent a few hours understanding it. And then it's like, this is really straightforward. And, and it's like, okay. So th th there's, this is a blog post, right? This is the, the the things which I, you know, always say, oh, I should just write this down somewhere. And it's like, no, just write it up as a blog post. I'm like, okay, well, so let's do it then. <laughs> so <laughs> that was something I started last night after uh, uh, after going through this pain of understanding it and then it, of being blatantly obvious in the end, um, but not, no, very straightforward, but not obvious. Uh, how's that? <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that was the reason for like, okay, if I should probably start at least collecting this and publishing it as well. So talk. About yeah. It yeah. I say I'm very bad at speaking about uh, what I'm doing. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and they say uh, everyone gives the advice. Well, not everyone, but um, start promoting your product when you start developing it and not wait until, you know, the end. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, having said, you know, like this is true. I mean, I've, uh, you know, whenever I've spoke about um, what I'm doing, even briefly, even as a um, just a comment on something about what I'm building, um, I'll see the the hits to the landing page go up and I'm like, okay, why am I doing this all the time? I should really be doing this all the time, right? So, yeah, uh, and just, yeah, I should commit to being much more like, hey, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And this is part of it, right? Doing this, you know, recording these. (laughs) This is part of it, yeah. But uh, let's... um... Let's hold each other accountable. Yes. Let's. Uh, let's. I need let's it. Let's try. To, <laughs> yeah. Let Let's try to um, work on that. I need. I need to do the same. So let's uh, check check back next time and see see where we are and what progress we made in that area. I'm going to call um, you out on indie hackers. How's that on my? Post? All right. I'll be like, he's not post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, indie. I want to. I want to start doing the same thing with indie hackers and Dev Two. Mm. Um, yes. And and then effectively, yeah, that there other distribution channels. I mean, in the same way you said, yeah. like you know, podcasts via YouTube. I mean, it's it's not the obvious uh, method, but it's surprising to me when you do watch a podcast on YouTube, you see the hit, the views, and you're like, okay, this for a lot of people, that's yeah. that's how they listen to podcasts, right? So, yeah, it's, some uh, some people prefer video, mm-hmm. and you know, some people prefer audio or mm-hmm. or both. So, yeah. all right, sounds okay. good. Well, uh, uh, probably a good time to a good spot to wrap it up unless you have anything else you want to share all good (laughs) all good all right alan thank you it's been uh, a pleasure as always it's talking to you catching up (laughs) it's been been too long (laughs) the the new year kind of killed everything all my all my like habits just went to went to shot (laughs) (laughs) we dropped the ball for a little bit but part of it was that i was fixing the thing (laughs) yeah i wanted to fix this thing before recording again absolutely Excellent. All right. I will have a good two weeks and say good work on the getting it working. All right. Thank you.